I'm Michelle. I'm Rob. And this is Two Librarians Walk into a Shelf. Welcome to Two Librarians Walk into a Shelf, a podcast of the Huntsville Madison County Library System. Uh, We're recording today in the Madison Branch Makerspace. Which we don't get to use anymore, but we will soon, hopefully. We will. Yeah, it's it's coming back, just not today. So we're in here today. Yeah. So today we're going to talk about our book club pick. We have Gunsmoke and Trail Dust by Bliss Lomax, originally written in 1945. 49. 49. It's a little newer than that. Okay. <laughs> the cover is pretty amazing on this copy that we've got in front of us with this grizzled old cowboy looking guy with his pistol. That's Clay Roberts. Right. The hero, sort of. Before we get into that, we're going to talk a little bit about some movies and TV we've been watching and enjoying. Uh, You want to go first? Sure. I will recommend this to anybody who wants to watch a violent version of Home Alone. It's called Becky. We just got it in the system. Uh, I did check it out from Madison. And it's basically your classic home invasion movie, Die Hard, where there's one person that kind of is not in the cabin when this family is assaulted by these psycho dudes that just got out of prison, they have something hidden in the cabin that they want. And uh, this family is made up of a a, a widower and his very angry 13 year old daughter, his new girlfriend and her son. And these guys will stop at nothing to get what they broke out of prison for. They're crazy. Crazy. Violent. This is a very violent movie. But it's Becky who's not in the cabin when they attack. So there's this 13-year-old. It's a 13-year-old version of Die Hard and Home Alone, only the violence isn't played for laughs. When somebody gets blowtorched, they really get blowtorched. This kid goes nuts. One character tells them, you've done this to her. You've done that to her. She's 13 and she's angry. I feel bad for you. That kind of deal. Okay. And uh, she just goes nuts. And uh, I mean, this kid's creative. She makes a shiv out of some colored pencils and a ruler, which I was like, oh, I would have never thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's it's pretty it's a pretty crazy. Uh, the bad guy is Kevin James, Paul Blart, mall cop in his first serious role. And, I didn't uh, recognize him when I looked up the movie. Yeah, he's really good. Uh, he took over for Simon Pegg, and that would have been really hard for me to watch Simon Pegg in that part as a bad guy because oh. he's really bad. But uh, Kevin James pulls it off. You know, I've never been a huge fan of his, but uh, as a as a hulking psycho lunatic, he uh, he kills it. And then the the young lady who plays Becky was just great. So if you're in the mood for that. Uh, it's just take your brain out, let it get some rest, and and enjoy this uh, crazy, crazy movie. Becky, we do have it. You can put it on hold and pick it up at any branch you care to. That sounds like a movie I would not watch. You probably would not. Right. <laughs> well, I've been watching a TV show. It's called Snowpiercer. It's based on a French graphic novel series. And then several years ago, uh, director Bong Joon-ho did a version starring Chris Evans and several other like kind of A-list now stars. The movie and the TV show aren't related. The TV show is like a reboot, but it's also done by Bong Joon-ho. So he is like taking it again to create something also out of the same source material. So I thought that was kind of neat. Um, if you liked Parasite, you might be interested in more of Bong Joon-ho's projects. This is the first one I've, I've watched though, because it's not really my genre. Right. 
Parasite was not for me, that's for sure. Snowpiercer is the name of this train that is perpetually moving around the earth after the earth has basically like gone into complete climate collapse and is now covered in snow and ice. So like Snowpiercer is literally piercing through like feet and feet and feet of snow. So this train is perpetually circling the entire earth with the last survivors of humanity on it. And it's a thousand and one cars long. What? Yeah. And so the show starts with a group of people jumping onto the train as it's leaving who don't have tickets for the train to like save themselves or their families or whatever. And they get like stuck in the end of the train. And so you've got like this very distinct class striation, like first class, second class, third class. And then like the people in the back of the train that didn't have tickets at all that live in squalor. So there is a society on the train. There is. And okay. it's very, like, you know exactly who you're looking at when you look at a person. Like, they've, the casting and the costuming and everything have done a really good job. Like, you can see this person is definitely a first-class passenger <laughs> because, the, you know, they're wearing fancy clothes and their hair is done and whatever and right. versus second-class versus third-class versus the people at the end. And so... You know, you have an implanted chip to get you through the train and only certain doors will open to you depending on your class and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, it starts out with a murder mystery. And it kind of is the murder mystery is the catalyst that kind of sets off like a class revolution on this train. So it's a lot of fighting. It was cool, though. I like Jennifer Connelly, which is why I started watching it. And I also like David Diggs, who's also the other main character. And if you're not familiar, um, he's in the Hamilton musical. And he's also in the show Blackish that's on ABC. So if you like him and either of those, I think you'll see a completely different side of him in the show. But it was good. So I recommend that. So you haven't seen the movie, though? No, I haven't seen the movie, just the TV show. So do you know what are people saying that we're fans of the, the movie? Are they enjoying the TV show or is it too different? I think it's too different. Like the from what I can tell, the TV show seems to be just okay to people. And the movie seems to be like a more gritty sci-fi situation and so people that were fans of the movie don't really care for the tv show but they're mm. they're unrelated like the tv show happens like years after the train has gone and the rest of humanity have died and the movie takes place almost immediately after oh okay so it's still part of the bigger the bigger story just years apart and it's a continuation of what started in the movie more or less i don't know if they're related at all Oh. From what I could read, I don't think they are. Oh, okay. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, you probably watch a little bit more TV than, than I do. There's a new version of The Standout. Have you watched any of that? Are you familiar with that? No. Did you watch the first TV version? No. Okay. Sorry. It's about a pandemic. Yeah, I wouldn't watch that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I've, I've been reading a lot that people don't seem to like the new version, and I, you know, you know where I fall on that, so... <laughs> this is true, I do. But no, I'm not watching or reading anything about a pandemic right now. I'm sorry. Seemed like a weird time to come out, but, you know, I get it. It's, it's all marketing. That's true. <laughs> I mean, I remember going to see the Omen remake on June 6, 2006. Oh, so, right. Yeah, six. Okay, anyway, let's get on to <laughs> Gunsmoke and Trail Dust. Uh, I did pick this one. This was my pick, and... Until this morning, although I felt I was familiar with it the first time I read it, I didn't realize why. I just thought it was like any other Western that I've read. And I grabbed some books <laughs> to uh, 
to share with Michelle because there's some history for the the, the gentleman who wrote it. And I'd actually read this book uh, two or three years ago because one of the books I just grabbed without noticing until we got in here to record was Gunsmoke and Trail Dust by Bliss Lomax. <laughs> I love when that fell out of the bag and you're like, oh, look. Hey, this sounds familiar. <laughs> oh, I know why. Um, <laughs> so we have learned some. Uh, I picked this for the book club because it sounded closer to, I always say that Westerns are uh, guy romances. You know, they're the closest most guys want to get to a romance novel, a Western. And the write-up on Hoopla kind of sold that. Now, had I gone by the write-up on the back of the book, and we'll, we'll compare these after in, in a bit, I would have never picked this book for you. I, no. only, I only picked it because of the, writing, <laughs> the write-up on Hoopla. <laughs> So uh, we will get we will get to all that. But basically what we have here story begins when young Harvey Hume is attending a meeting for Mormon homesteaders in the town of Mescal. Webb Nichols is the leader of the homesteaders who are against the ranchers. John Ring is the biggest rancher who runs the association. He's tired of the homesteaders constantly poaching beef from the ranchers and covering for cattle rustlers with the intention of financially hurting the ranchers. So this is a big range war between people who want to homestead and grow farms, uh, grow crops, and then ranchers who want to grow beef. <laughs> just run their beef right through their crops. Right. Just get your beef out of my corn. So there had already been a blow up seven years before. It was a huge... Uh, Madalena Basin War between the ranchers and the homesteaders. So this is this is an ongoing thing. So Ring calls in a stock detective, Clay Roberts. This guy will just do any job for for some money. Uh, no, he won't. Read the. Well, okay. According to the book, the book cover, his gun was for hire, but his honor was not. There you go. So you're hiring his gun, not his honor, but. You're hiring because he's honorable and he does what I I don't know. Anyway, we uh, meet young Dora Stoddard, Eudora, Dora for short. Uh, she's a young woman and she's taking a job 40 miles away in Willow Creek. She's a very independent woman. She thinks for herself, sets goals, and doesn't necessarily think she needs a man. Uh, her aunt, on the other hand, does think she just needs a man. It's starting to sound familiar. It, it sounds is. like another book that we... We kind of read not too long ago. It does. She stays at the Nichols family in Willow Creek, and while she's preparing her classroom, she encounters Steve Jennings, a wanted rustler whom she recognizes from his wanted poster hanging in the post office. She covers for him when men come looking to hang him. Nichols has a longstanding feud with fellow rancher Shade Caney, who does nothing but tries to disrupt the business of the ranchers. He even buys and populates the land with sheep in the hopes of Escalating a range war. Uh, the feud carries on between the children of the two families, and Dora is torn trying to keep peace in her classroom. When she meets Clay Roberts, they are instantly sweet on one another, and before long, Roberts is thinking about settling down with the teacher. Dora doesn't want to love and enforce her, but her heart wants what her heart wants. Immediately, apparently. Like right there in the same sentence. Yep. Roberts and Jennings have a history, and they cover for one another uh, to the point that Roberts saves the outlaw's life but is blamed for a murder he did not commit. And that puts him in a situation where he can't admit that he was helping a known wrestler that he was hired to, to, to nab. 
So it gets kind of sticky here. A little bit of a mystery, kind of mystery light. Roberts knows he's in a tight spot. Uh, if he says anything that about helping Jennings, uh, he would face more than a bum rap murder charge. Dora learns Roberts was framed, but will she be able to save the man she so deeply loves all of a sudden? As I've said before, this is as close to a romance novel as most guys care to get. Uh, more than 70 years after its original publication, it's still a tender story of a tough guy stock detective falling for the beautiful young school teacher who just wants to teach the backwoods children how to read and write. In the background, a bloody range war of ranchers, rustlers, and Mormons plays out. Personally, I like my Western novels like I like my Western movies, fast-paced and to the point. Gunsmoke and Trail Dust is all that, but also it gets a little muddled at times uh, with all the backstabbing, running back and forth between places, characters popping in, popping out. Uh, this is all over the place. Uh, at times, it almost seems to be constructing the story like a mystery, and we ride with Clay as, uh, as he tries to figure it all out. And then that sort of gets forgotten for other plot points. Um, it's odd how it's written. Almost like it's a bunch of disassociated short stories that were just slapped together in the hopes of telling a bigger story. I think it was written to be a movie. Now, that's interesting. Very kind of episodic kind of scenes yeah. kind of have an end. and Yeah, that, like, like I, I've told you... Uh, it took me quite a few pages of this book to get into it because it just felt like I was just l watching a bunch of people that I had no context for what they were doing have a conversation. These two people are over here having a conversation, and then we switch scenes, you know, like the like in the Batman show, like, da -da 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 -da. <laughs> and then you're like at somebody's ranch, and then there's two other people that you haven't met yet having a conversation that seems to be unrelated, and then there's Eudora talking to her aunt and uncle, and then there's... It was just like 75 pages of just like random conversations in different settings. And then finally you see Steve Jennings and you see Clay Roberts and you figure out what's actually going on. It took me a while to get into it. Once that happened, I was like, oh, okay, here's the plot. Here's who I'm supposed to care about. And it went really quick. So, so the book itself is 156 pages on Hoopla. It comes out depending on how you're, how big the text right. is of 200 and so pages. So I'm guessing that if they just cut out the first 94 pages and just started with chapter 11, bushwhacked, you'd have been better off with that. Because that's pretty much when uh, Clay and Steve start kind of working together. Maybe. But then there's like, I mean, there's some plot points, I think, earlier than that that got buried in all this other. They made a big study. deal about the, the kids. And they then did. And then what happens, happens. And then it's like left. Right. It's like, oh, we, they did what we needed them to do for our plot point, And now we've like, that was wrapped up super quick. It was almost as if like it, it didn't get wrapped up, like, or they just ignored it. I don't know. It was building, building, building. Yes. And then you're like, I can't believe it happened. And what, what happened? It, it went away. Yeah. Oh. It, it just, no one talked. It, it was like, it was a, not a thing anymore. It, it seemed like if I remember correctly, and again, I've read this twice, evidently, <laughs> but <laughs> I read them for entertainment and go to the next. It seems like that whole plot point was discussed at a dinner table, <laughs> like <laughs> past the mashed potatoes. Oh, and by the way, did you hear that so-and-so shot so-and-so? <laughs> this is good ham, Ma. <laughs> it, it, was, it was fine. I'm, I don't hate that I read it. 
Good. Although it took me a while to like accept that I was reading this thing. It got fine. You're right. It is a romance for men. I have to say the romances that you've had me read started off a little stronger. Like I got hooked into the stories way sooner than you got hooked into this one. That's fine. Like these are, they're different. They're written in completely different time periods with different styles of writing and for a different audience. So that's fine. Um, I did, I did have a couple of notes on phrases that people said in this book that I found amusing. Okay. Mr. Coconino Williams, who I have a picture in my head of like this old, like leathery face dude with like a long white beard and his hat that's like fallen over or whatever. He says, I'm everlastingly bedamned if that don't take the cake. And I'm just like, what are you talking about? I say that all the time. You just don't hear me. <laughs> Eudora says at one point, that's just the way I'm constituted. I'm like, I don't Okay. And then the, but the phrase that killed me was somebody tried to beef a steer, which I'm assuming mean they killed a cow because now it's beef. Right. And they I, cut it down into the parts it, to eat. Yeah. I just, I, that one made me laugh out loud when I, I was like, beef a steer. Anyway, we could probably bring that back. Another quote by Coco Nino. I guess that's how you pronounce his name. That old sidewinder has been outside of the law for 20 years. He's deader than a mackerel. <laughs> Anyway, that's authentic Western gibberish. It was entertaining for sure. I picked out a couple sentences as an example. Again, this was written in 1949 and how some words are used differently now. They may mean the same thing, but they're used differently now. So like when you read it in something like this, it pops out a bit. Harvey had never seen Webb Nichols so aroused. The longer they talked, the more venomous he grew. Is this a Western or a romance novel? Exactly. Uh, again, <laughs> Dora's aunt is unhappy with her decision to teach in Willow Creek. She was thoroughly aroused by now, and her mouth was a determined, resolute line. See, like when, I, when you get that aroused at the beginning of the sentence, you think it's going somewhere else, but these people get aroused and are angry. Yeah, that's interesting. That's weird. And then at one point, uh, you'll stand it, clay wrapped. People forget that when you used to rap, you were just talking. But now when you say rap, they expect, you know, rhyme and beatbox and hip hop. Right. Oh, that, that is interesting. I did notice the use of the word arouse. I didn't notice rapped. Yeah. Clay wrapped it. Okay. So there's some words that are used in Westerns that aren't used. Some of them are used uh, elsewhere, but they're words that I picked out as words that Especially this first one, Al Hoot. Al Hoot's a word that was used in the book. I'm sure that you noticed that. It's uh, slang used in Wild West fiction for an outlaw. Oh. So <laughs> it was a word created for these books, Al Hoot. I'm going to try to bring that one back. Okay. You, I know from your uh, Victorian romances, you know what a sawbones is. No. A doctor. I assumed. Okay. I was, I was wondering if it was like nefarious because it sounds kind of nefarious. It does. It does, but it's just a doctor. Okay. Get that old sawbones. Get that whiskey out of his hand and tell him to clear his head. I also want to mention the like crazy slapdash desert surgery that happens. By the sawbones. No, it wasn't. It was Mr. Well, Roberts. Well, it was Roberts, but he was acting as the sawbones. He, yes, he was acting as the sawbones. Like here, bite this stick. The the man he's supposed to be capturing for his cattle rustling is like his you know legs gonna fall off from gangrene or whatever. So out in the middle of the woods, he takes his knife and 
digs it down into his leg and then cauterizes it afterwards. I'm just like, wow. I can't imagine committing any crime to where I just lay out in the desert and watch my leg. Rot off? Yeah, because I'm afraid to try to get back. I might do some time. (laughs) But I'll save my leg. (laughs) (laughs) I know. This... um, the other thing that struck me about this, like I said, it wasn't bad. I did enjoy it. But just like the instantaneous infatuation between Eudora and Clay, it's like they see each other once and suddenly they're, um, you know, she says things like, I suppose you've been through such things so often you take them as a matter of course. Has it ever occurred to you how selfish you are taking such chances with your life? It might be precious to someone. And he responds with, if you were that someone, it would make a difference, a big difference. Heck yeah. He said with his heart and his eyes. <laughs> see? Like they've only been speaking for like a minute. <laughs> but see, these books, again, I mean, you can lay a dime up against this book and you wouldn't tell, you wouldn't be able to tell what was the dime and what was the book. That's true. It's not very long. They only have so many pages. Uh, they got to get to the romance part pretty quick. It was entertaining. It was fine. I'll, I'll let you know that I've noticed in a lot of a certain kind of detective fiction, like the pulp detective, mm-hmm. uh, some horror, a lot of horror, and then westerns. That's how the main characters kind of get together. It's very fast. It's very... Well, they don't have room to elaborate. Right. It's, it's very like two people are thrust into some kind of situation, and they grow to carry for each other in just like two or three pages. And then they're madly in love by the end of the chapter. Yeah. Then they defeat whatever needs to be defeated or whatever. So I think that's, I see people falling in and out of relationships a lot, like really fast. I think they read too much of this stuff. Maybe. That's, (laughs) that's totally possible. There were some words that stuck out because they weren't really words. Uh, I don't know. Did you notice that the title of chapter six was the lean hung I did notice that, and I think it's supposed to be the lynching. It was. We checked in the book. There were some decent scene descriptions in that chapter. Small hole house and small hole. I'm, I think they mean schoolhouse. Yeah, I checked. They're, they've never been called a small hole house. It, that was just a mistake when it went to. <laughs> when it got put in ebook form? Yeah, it was uh, a okay. small, small schoolhouse. Um, you found one. I thought it was like an, a real word. What the heck does dismal lover mean? No, it's just not a word. It's discovered. It's it's not an actual word. And I think in that same paragraph were also the words dismalused, which was supposed to be disgust, and <laughs> dismal reddit was supposed to be discredit. So somebody had a good time. And it's, those all came in chapter 17. So just kind of keep your eyes open. Uh, I was really some, like, what is this word? Is this an old some, slang, old West word? Dismal lover? What is that? No, that that's is not, not a real word. No, that's not like uh, owl hoot or cahoots or sawbones. Uh, no. Or beef a steer. Beef a steer. So our, our author here, Bliss Lomax, was a very prolific writer of Westerns. His real name was uh, Harry Sinclair Drago. Now, that's a cool name right there. Like, why would you ever change that? I mean, Bliss Lomax is cool, but your real name is Harry Sinclair Drago? Oh, my gosh. So, (laughs) Drago also wrote under the names Stuart Cross, Kirk Deming, Will Ermine, Bill Lomax, J. Wesley Putnam, and Grant Sinclair. He was born in 1887. He wrote his whole life, passing away in 1979 at the ripe old age of 92. 
A lot of his books were adapted into films during the silent era, uh, including the silent drama Whoso Findeth a Wife in 1916 and Out of the Silent North in 1922. And then some of his westerns were adapted into the Tom Mix westerns, Silver Valley from 1927 and Hello, Cheyenne from 1928. In 1929, he wrote the action-adventure serial The King of the Congo, which featured Boris Karloff as Scarface Macklin. That was an early role for Boris. Uh, The King of the Congo was unique as early chapters were shot silent with later chapters, including sound, as it was being made right when the era of the silent was kind of being phased out and the new era of the talkies, which we're still in, was coming in. Later, more of his stories were adapted for the TV Western Cheyenne, which was a big popular Western in the 50s. Some of his big uh, accomplishments, his Great Range War, which he wrote at the age of 83, won the 1970 Western Heritage Award for the most outstanding Western nonfiction book, which makes sense because when he was born in 1887, there was still a Wild West. He might have gone there as a kid. I don't know. Maybe his folks vacationed in Dodge City. So he actually saw, he probably met the real Clay Roberts. He probably saw guys that look just like that dude on the cover. That's cool. <laughs> um, this other thing is kind of cool because I was of the same, I did not know that this was the same person writing under all these different books. Because I, I really enjoy Bliss Lomax, Will Ermine, and... Harry Sinclair Dragos. When I found out they were all the same guy, I was like, what? Each one of these guys wrote like 30 books. So that's like one guy wrote 90 books. Wow. But President Dwight D. Eisenhower once told an interviewer that his two favorite authors were Bliss Lomax and Will Ermine. Uh-oh. Both being the pen names of Harry Drago. So if, you know, I don't feel so bad because if, if it tricked Dwight Eisenhower, I don't feel so bad that old Rob Freeze got tricked too. There is a difference in how the book was kind of advertised. The copy that I have is from 1970, so it's not the original. Oh, I I will say, I showed you this. The original 1949 that came out from Dell had a map of the area. So as you're reading, you can kind of flip to the back cover. There's this color map. We found it online. We'll try to put that up uh, on the blog. You could kind of follow the line and see the territory of mm-hmm. all the going back and forth, which probably would have made it a little bit easier to keep up with if we, <laughs> if, if the digital copy had that same map, but it didn't. The digital copy on Hoopla is the original cover. Um, the 1970 version has sort of like, who's that look like to you? It's like a mix between like Clint Eastwood and like... I kind of see James Brolin a little bit back when he was like had the beard oh, in Amityville okay. Horror, and then, right. and then Clint East, and then Clint Eastwood's steely eyes. So when this book came out, when this version came out, obviously westerns were still kind of huge in 1970, and the spaghetti westerns were coming in. But this this was not this is the write up on the back cover. This is not the write up that I went by when I chose this book because I was trying to find a book. That, that had like. a romance that Michelle would like. Yeah. This is what the actual book cover says. Price of honor. Clay Roberts had just one way to earn his pay with his iron nerve and deadly guns. He was a living legend in every wild, wide open town in the West. 
a moving target for every punk gunman and vicious outlaw from Dodge City to Tombstone. When Roberts rode into Mescal, he figured it for just another job. Drive off a gang of rustlers, pick up his pay, and ride off. But suddenly he found himself outside the law, betrayed, slandered, hunted, and that meant his price had just gone up. Gold could buy his guns, but for the dirt smeared on his name, a town would pay in blood. I would have never chose this if this was the write-up in Hoopla. I'm going to say that write-up writes a check that it does not cash. And I would agree. I would agree. The write-up on Hoopla is more like (laughs) homesteaders versus rustlers versus ranchers, uh, rootin' tootin' cowboy situation. But it sounds more wholesome on Hoopla. Hoopla did kind of cut out all that town paying in blood stuff yeah and mentions the romance between clay and dora yeah. and uh i went by that yeah and obviously by that write-up i didn't recognize that as the same because by the write-ups they sound like completely different stories yeah and i don't know that's probably kind of common i'm sure probably uh, this was just a, a weird thing where minutes ago i realized i had the book in front of us <laughs> Um, If you do enjoy Westerns, and it's interesting that you have said that this kind of reminded you of maybe something that was written for the screen, I would recommend The Legend of Caleb York. I found that on Libby. That's by Mickey Spillane and Max Allen Collins. It actually is the first of a six-book series. Uh, The entire series is available on Hoopla, and I only mention it because Back in the 60s, I believe it was, Mickey Spillane, who was a friend of John Wayne's, wrote this book especially for Wayne to star as Caleb York. John Wayne had his own production company at that point, was going to move forward with that movie. It never happened. And now, years later, after Mickey Spillane has passed away, Max Allen Collins was given the manuscript and he adapted it into a book and then carried it on for five more books. And I really enjoyed that one. So if you kind of like Westerns and that one's easy, you can kind of read it and really imagine John Wayne because he was supposed to play that character. So uh, Legend of Caleb York, that entire series is also available on Hoopla. All right. If you're interested in that. I know you're not, but somebody might. No, I don't know that I'll be reading that one, but I I can appreciate the genre more so now. Oh, I did grow up watching lots of John Wayne Westerns with my dad and my grandfather. So, See, so you had that connection. I did. I'm just happy that you saw what I meant by Westerns are romances for guys. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're structured almost the same. Just they happen a lot. Fa- they happen in like 10 pages instead of 110. True. Or t- 410. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, let us know. Did you read Gunsmoke and Trail Dust? And did you like it? Uh, let us know if you prefer David Diggs as the Marquis de Lafayette or as Thomas Jefferson in Hamilton. You can let us know. Uh, you can send us an email at madison at hmcpl.org. They'll send that on our way. Or you can maybe comment when we post this on Facebook or whatever if you feel like it. Well, remember, guys, no matter what they say, don't, don't trust, trust robots. robots. The views expressed by the hosts are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the Huntsville-Madison County Library System. For more information on the Huntsville-Madison County Public Library, visit us online at hmcpl.org. If you'd like to learn more about some of the topics discussed today, visit your local library, which is us.
No representation is made that your librarian is more knowledgeable than other librarians or that they have any expertise on your particular project. I have to start over. Boy!